Praise the Lord. Everybody happy this morning? Nobody too hot or cold? We're okay, we're all together here. All right, it's been a big day already. Um, I've, been, I've been speaking for um, the last few weeks when, I, when I've taught about our identity in Jesus Christ. And um, I, I've spoken to you um, about the fact that we are who we are. We're, we're, child, we're a child of God. Some of you still got that little name tag I, I printed out for you in your Bible. Um, because we're children of God, we have an overwhelming inheritance. Some of that was what Pastor Dave uh, read this morning. You know, all, everything was taken care of at the cross, but we, we have an inheritance. We're children, we're children of the king. If you think, uh, you know, uh, Donald Trump's children got a great inheritance when he passes away. It's nothing compared to what God has for us and how he provided for us, right? Um, I taught us that we were a royal priesthood, that we were people of authority and, and power who can stand before the altar of God alone and, and who can minister and receive, not only, not only receive, but minister the grace and, uh, and power of God. I've taught us about our authority in Christ. I've taught us about the fact that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Jonathan Edwards, when he was here, talked to us about the favor of God that we have received. And, and, and Jim White taught us about uh, the, uh, receiving fresh oil uh, to, to participate in, in the anointing that Pastor Dave talked to us about a couple times, that we have an unction that needs to function and, and uh, about who we are, uh, about getting, and I've spoken to you about having, all of this has to take place, can only take Take place in people who have had their minds renewed. I can tell you all day long you're a child of God, but until your mind it receives that and your heart understands it, you're never going to walk in it. So having a renewed mind is the key to it. And then last week I talked about manifesting the kingdom of God, the need. Look, if all that is the case, if we have an anointing, if we are children of God, if we have the power, if we're, if we're called, our mandate is to bring heaven to earth, then how are we going to do that? We have to manifest it. Okay, so I talked to us about the fact that we're the light of the world. And we need to show the world the kingdom of God. And, and we need to, and, and the only way we can do that is to model our role model. And who's our role model? Of course, Jesus, Jesus. He only did remember what he saw the Father doing. He only spoke what he heard the Father saying. And the mandate to us is to bring his word and manifest his word into this world to bring heaven to earth, bring his kingdom. He said, go and preach the gospel. Tell them the kingdom of God has come into their midst. So today, I want to roll all that into one big ball. That's a lot. That's weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks of teaching. And I want to make it practical for you. Because it's one thing to preach about it, but it's another thing. How am I going to do this? What can I do to make this real? What can I, how do I get a renewed mind? How do I, how do I manifest the kingdom? You know, it's a how-to, if you will, okay? And, and to do that, I want to begin in the book of Acts, if you'll turn there, to the book of Acts chapter 5. And I want to begin with verse 12. Many signs and wonders were being done among the people through the hands of the apostles. And by common agreement or consent, they would meet together on Solomon's porch, Solomon's colonnade. It's a section on the Temple Mount where there was shade. It was a port it's a, literally a porch, a portico where they had a roof and columns, and, and they gives them some shade up there on the Temple Mount, so they would come together. None of the rest of the people who were not the believers dared to join them. But people praised them. You know, those people, something's, something's happened. Would not you like to have it known in the city that this is a church where God is doing something, where God's presence is? And that, that's, that's the respect that they were getting from the, from the people in the, you know, there on the, on the Temple Mount. And as a result of that, believers 
were being added to the Lord in increasing numbers, both men and women. And that's, that's important because on the day of Pentecost in that upper room, the Holy Spirit fell upon 120 men and women. Men and women. And Peter said it's in result of the prophecy. This is a fulfillment of the prophecy that Joel spoke about. In the last days, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Young men see visions upon my servants and handmaidens. I will pour out my spirit. So it's important to understand that even though in a culture where women were not particularly respected, the Holy Spirit has no such respect. He gives out several as he wills. And, and in Christ, there's no male or female. We ordain women in the assemblies of God as a direct result of that. So people are being saved. Signs and wonders and miracles are being manifested, and they would carry the sick. Now imagine this. They would carry the sick into the streets and lay them on beds or pallets if they were lame or sick or crippled or couldn't see or blind, whatever. And as Peter would walk past them, his shadow, he never touched them, but his shadow fell upon them. And as it fell upon them, it healed them. Multitudes came from, together from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Put that slide up for me, if you would. I want to talk to you today about casting shadows. Wouldn't you like to have a shadow ministry? Can I tell you, you already do? You have a shadow ministry. But Genesis 1.26 says something like this. It said, God said, let us make man in our image. According to our likeness, and they will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the animals, the earth, and all the creatures that rule on it. They, God said, let us... Jesus, Holy Spirit, let us make man in our own image. And they're going to have dominion over everything. So your shadow is supposed to look like the one who created you, right? Hebrews 1.3 says that Jesus is the radiance of God's glory the exact expression of his nature, who sustains all things by his powerful word. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God the Father. So after he, he destroyed death, hell, and the grave and rose, and he sits down, and that's where he is right now, at the right hand of the Father. But Jesus is the exact representation of the Father. God made man in his own image. That's what he wants us to look like, him, the father, the son. The son is an exact representation of the father. Sin changed our image to that of our evil stepfather, if you will, the devil. But new birth has given us back a reflection, has given us back a new, we're new, new nature, new creation, has given us something. We look different. We're new people. We're not what we used to be under sin. We're under God. We're, we're filled with a God's spirit, and we're supposed to represent and look like him. Jesus said, if you want to see the Father, look at the Son. Jesus was God in the flesh, incarnate. Romans 8.29 says something about us. For whom he did foreknow, God knew that you were going to make a decision one day to be, to be saved. He, he wishes that all men would be saved, you know, but all would come to repentance, but not all do, of course. But, and those who decided, those he knew ahead of time, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So... Once you made the decision, God knew you were going to make a decision either for or against him. He didn't predetermine if you will or not. He, he knew that you would. And once you have, you are it is predestined that you will be conformed to the image of God. In other words, when we, once we accept Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, we're supposed to look like him. We've got the spirit of Christ living inside of us. 
Then the question becomes, how do we become conformed to his image? Well, it happens supernaturally. It's because his spirit takes up residence in me. But the only way in two weeks, well, next week, Pastor Connie and I are are leaving. We're going to Israel. We're just going to chill out. We're celebrating our 50th wedding anniversary. Hallelujah. Okay. I married her when she was three and I was four. Okay, so, uh, but, so, so we're, we're going to be celebrating our 50th wedding anniversary. We're going to Israel. We're just going to just tour some of the places we haven't seen. And, and, uh, but I, I married her after knowing her less than a year. The only way you get to know somebody is to spend time with them. Now we finish each other's sentences. Usually she finishes mine for me, so that's, that's the way it goes. But the only way you can get to know somebody is to spend time in their presence, right? We're, we're called to live in his presence. Not, not only live in his presence, but we're also called to say that the old man has died and Jesus Christ lives and moves through me. I live and move in him. If you, if you put up Acts 4.13 for me, I think this is one of the most overlooked aspects of how, you know, we look at the apostles and we think what giants they were, what giants of faith they were. Then they, we called them apostles, okay? Or if my friend Joel Hitchcock was here, apostles. And, uh, and they lived and they manifested Jesus to the world all over, everywhere they went. But I think one of the most overlooked parts, of it, it, this, this verse reveals everything. I put it on my Acts test something for my Master's Commission students. Look what it says. Peter and John, now, Peter's been, Shadow's been healing everybody. Uh, uh, you know, I'm sorry, that's later. The verse, this, is, this is in chapter four. In, in chapter three, uh, Peter and John heal a lame man at the gate beautiful. They get accosted by the, uh, by the rulers of the Sanhedrin, the Jewish rabbis, the elders, uh, the high priests, and they're brought before them. And, and uh, they can't say much because here's this guy who's been lame for 40 years since he was born, and now he's jumping and raising and running around the, you know, the Temple Mount everywhere, and, and what, what are you going to say? And when they looked at these two men, they realized they were unschooled, ordinary men. They didn't just look at that. It's, it's as if they were redneck hillbillies. Who, you know, how did these two guys able to do that? You know, they looked down on them. I mean, these are just, these are just, you know, there's no way. And they were astonished. But here's the key. They took note of what? These men have been with Jesus. You see, if you've got that, you've got everything. If you've been with Jesus. If you've been with Jesus. The 91st Psalm, verse 1, says it this way. He says, the one who lives under the protection, actually, who of the Most High lives in the shadow of the Almighty. He talks about living in the shadow of God. Those three men, I mean, those, those 12 men lived in the shadow of Jesus day after day after day after day. And when that happens, you know, you see the nature of the person. You see the character. You, trust is released. Faith grows. Uh, you know, uh, uh, something rubs off on you. We're, we're called, Romans 12, 2 says, we're, not to be, we're called not to be conformed to this world, but rather be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We're called to be transformational, transformational people. It says, says we, we live in the spirit so we can walk in the spirit. The only way that you can have this relationship that Peter and John and all the rest of them had was to spend time alone with him. You know, they, they, as, they, as they saw what he did, they saw the miracles, they saw all the things. They hadn't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, but, but they lived with him. They ate with him. Uh, they, you know, they walked with him. They talked with him. They, you know, they, uh, they laid down at sleep in the same place at night. You know, they had a, they had a relationship with him. 
That's, the, that's what God is looking for. That is the destiny that God has already planned. He says, I, I predestined you to be conformed to the image of Christ. But the only way you can fulfill that destiny is to spend time in his presence. So when Peter walks down the street, it wasn't his shadow that was healing the people. It was Christ in him. Remember I talked a couple weeks ago about you being the light of the world. It was Christ in him being reflected out. The light in Peter was shining out of him into the darkness, even of that shadow, and healing people. It had nothing to do with Peter. It had everything to do with the relationship he had with the Father. His shadow wasn't darkness. His shadow was light. How many of us are casting shadows of light versus shadows of darkness? He put on the divine nature, you see. As I said, he spent three and a half years with Jesus. He saw who Jesus was. He saw the love that was in Jesus. He saw the compassion. He saw the patience. He saw, he saw the boldness because he had lived in his presence. In July of 2001, I came to this church. Connie and I flew down here to be uh, interviewed by the church board. We had talked by email and a phone. And um, Julie McDare and, and three others had showed up at my church in Ohio one day. And... Um, they had checked me out, and they had recommended to the board that we uh, be considered for the position of pastor. And so when we arrived here that day, 18 and a half years ago, we had dinner with the board and their wives, and we came back here to talk and be interviewed, and we toured the church. And when we stepped into this sanctuary, which looks pretty much the same and can I tell you that uh, we need some serious remodeling here, folks, but we need some money to do that. So, but it looked the same as it does today. But I was impressed. It was very, it's a very nice facility. I you know, would have killed for that in Ohio. I had more people, but the facility wasn't as nearly as nice as this is. And, and um, um, anyway, uh, I looked at my wife, whom I'm known for um, nearly 40, uh, you know, 30-some years, 33 years at that point, 32 years, and, and I caught her eye, and I saw something that I said, uh-oh, uh-oh. Um, and anyway, we went up to the boardroom and, and uh, the conference room up in the other building, and they interviewed me for an hour, and they finally turned to her, and they said, well, um, and see, you have to understand, um, they weren't really sure how they felt because when I sent my resume, I sent hers too because she had a bigger ministry in Cleveland than I had. We were doing inner city works. I was a presbyter over, over Cleveland, over 22 churches, but we were doing Convoy of Hopes, and she was the leader of that. We'd have 5,000 people show up for groceries and stuff at the Cleveland State University uh, you know, three times, and, and she's preaching in these churches, these black churches and other churches around here. She, you know, she had a bigger ministry really than I did. I said, so you get a package deal. You get one, you get the other, right, Rick? And uh, I said, usually, uh, you know, uh, so in my church, uh, what they do is they let me preach on Sunday because they could have her all week. Okay, and uh, they weren't really sure about all that and about women ministers. And they finally said, well, what do you think about coming here? And I, I went, oh, Jesus. And she said, well, do you want to know what I really think? And they foolishly said, yes. I thought, oh, no, you don't. She said when she walked into the sanctuary, the Lord spoke to her. I knew he had. I'd been with her in that Catholic church on that mass that day when she almost prophesied to a whole cathedral full of Catholics at her brother's wedding. So I knew exactly where she was coming from. You know, when you've been, when you've been in the presence of somebody for that long, you, you, just, you just know, right? And, and anyway, she said, when she walked into the sanctuary, God spoke a word to her. I won't tell you what the word was, but it means the Holy Spirit was not in this place and was not welcome here. 
And that, friends, was the truth. Now, that's not what you say to people who you're trying to get employed by. But frankly, we weren't really trying to get employed by it. We weren't really that interested. And um, they said, well, they said the right thing. What should we do about it? And she said, repent. Maybe the Lord will come back. Because you see, for the previous 10 years, it's not altogether the fault of previous administration, but it is. I mean, they're the leaders, but, but they had promoted a different thing. They were, they were trying to build a church on events and um, shallow teaching and great worship and all of that. And they had been semi-successful, but all the people who came to this church, was this church was birthed in Pentecost. This church was a place where the Holy Spirit moved. Uh, I spent last Monday with uh, the staff from Randall Ross's church, who was the primary pastor when all when when the full gospel businessmen and revival broke out in this area, and the Methodists and the Quakers and everybody started getting saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. Eventually, they all wound up here, and this church exploded from a little church of 175 people to a thousand, and that's why you have all this big facility. It was a revival here, and. Um, over time, as after he left and others came, it didn't sustain. But now he is up in Naperville, Illinois, at a great church, Calvary Assembly of God. It was a church of about 5,000 people. And he's retiring the last day of December this year. So they were doing a retirement video, and they wanted some pictures and some video. And I gave them an interview and so forth. But see, this church was birthed in the fire of the Holy Spirit. And now for 10 years, it hasn't been welcome. He hadn't been welcome. And so the board repented, and we prayed that night. And uh, they said, we want the Holy Spirit back. And the rest is history. We're here as a result of that interview. And our mandate, when we came here 18 and a half years ago, was to bring the presence of God, make him feel welcome in this church again to allow the Holy Spirit. Now, we are not, you know, most churches today are 45, 50 minutes and 20 minute sermon and, and so forth, but, but I think the mandate is not only make the Holy Spirit welcome, but desire him and teach about him and promote God and, and to have a relationship with the Lord and to have people who are, have a depth in them of the word so that when trouble comes, when the storms of life come, you've got something you can do. You've got something you can hang on to. You, you've got a power within you that can't, you can't be overcome because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And you need to know that. And you can't always do that. I, I, I love to worship. I started out as a worship leader for an evangelist with full gospel. You know, and, and, and I, just, I just cannot get, you know, I can't, I can't do two songs and a poem. And so we're, you know, we're not as, uh, you know, some, some people don't want to worship for 45 minutes. That's okay. Come later. But we're going to. And as long as we can do that. I've had two services in this church in the morning. And we allow time to get into, it takes time sometimes to, you know, you, you come in the car, you just beat your kid or just scream. <laughs> it takes time to get off that stuff out of the way and say, Holy Spirit, please forgive me. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Okay. I can have a relationship with you, you know. But, um, um, and the, well, when I went back, to Ohio was our district council in the next week or so. And I'd ask Arthur Burt, Lord, how do I know if I'm making the right decision? He said, well, you do what Elijah does. And I've told this story before. I said, well, how do you do that? And he said, well, Elijah was defeating the prophets of Baal. He, he, took the, he took the sacrifice and he cut it up and he placed it on the altar with the wood and then he poured water on it. Because if it still burns after you've done everything you can to pour water on it, then you know it's God. And as I knelt at the altar district council that day, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He gave me a word, and I've hung on to that word for 18 and a half years, that the glory of the latter house shall be greater than the former. And Ollie Joyce had that same, 
had that same word, and I believe that it is. And, and, you know, we may not be there numerically, but I want to tell you that we are at a spiritual place in this church I never even dreamed possible. You've come a long way, baby. The Holy Spirit had been pushed out. His manifestations were not welcome here. We didn't know all that the first, when we first got here. But what we've tried to do is to model Jesus. I'm a servant. I'll never ask you to do something that I, won't, I haven't already done. I cooked the hot dogs last night. I was thrilled to do it. Not patting me on the back, but what I'm saying is, is that we've tried to model Jesus in our actions, in our words, in our attitudes, in the prophetic word. We've tried to model the Holy Spirit. And as a result, we've come such a long ways, and I'm thrilled that that's the case. You see, the reason Peter's shadow could manifest miracles is because Peter had spent time in the presence of his model, Jesus. It's this intimacy with God. Peter had been baptized in the Holy Spirit now, and a shift had occurred in him. He became bold where he used to be afraid. The Holy Spirit will do that to you. He now became attuned to the presence of God. He became attuned to the voice of God. Now he could hear what the Father was saying. He could see what the Father was doing where he couldn't before. He had to see Jesus manifested in the flesh. Now he could see in the Spirit. And the more he spent time in the, in the presence of God, the more the Holy Spirit downloaded to him. He heard his voice. He, he, he saw it. And God says, if you'll draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. You see, it's intimacy. The how-to on how to manifest the kingdom, how to understand, how to have a renewed mind comes through intimacy, relationship with God that renews our minds. It's knowing the written word is really good. Knowing the word, that, that's really essential. It's, it's important. But you know what? The, without the spirit, there's no life in it. It'll become a dead word. It's just words on a page. It's the spirit that brings life, that makes it leap off the page and suddenly say, that's what the word of the Lord for me today is. Jesus is the one that makes the written word alive in our lives and, and the miracles and the supernatural grace and the, and the power of God and the love of God flow out of vessels that have a deep abiding relationship with the Father. David had that intimacy. He, he, there was no veil in that tabernacle of David. He sat in the presence of the Lord and worshiped. And as a result, he was able to write all those beautiful psalms. He had a relationship with this presence of God. Oh, he was so hungry to bring the ark where the presence, of, the presence of God was over the ark, over the mercy seat. So that's what he had to do. He was hungry for that. He didn't care about the offering of sacrifice. All that, all that stuff was still going on in Shiloh. All he cared about was the presence of God. And as a result of that, understand something. As a result of the presence of God in his life, because he says, God said he was a man after what? His own heart. Because of a man after his own heart, he was able to kill the bear and kill the lion and kill the giant because he had relationship. He desired God above everything else. He could do supernatural exploits through David because David had that relationship. Moses had a relationship. It says that Moses talked face to face with God. He knew him. Abraham was called God's friend because he knew God and he trusted God at his word. He would perform the word that God promised to him. How many in here believe that the word of God has made a promise to you and that he, you trust him, he'll do it? Because if you don't, that's only because you don't have that relationship with him. You don't trust somebody you don't know. Peter knew Jesus. And he had a shadow ministry out of, that, out of that intimacy, out of that relationship. You see, the more you know the character of someone, the more you know their nature, the more you can, you can trust them to fulfill what they said about. And then they said to you, God's made promises. I trust him to do it. When he told me the glory of the latter house will be greater than the former, I believe that. So the question I have for you today is, what is your relationship with Jesus like? Is he, a, 
I know he's not just a cuss word. You know, it's amazing. I go to England and Ireland, and, and most of the people there aren't, don't, have, don't even know who Jesus is, but they don't mind saying, you know, Jesus as a cuss word. They don't even know what they're saying. The problem is, look, we all have busy lives. After spending a week with, at Sarah's house while they were on a cruise and we were watching five kids, um, I know how busy you are. Chauffeuring kids and running here and there and all, all that other stuff. And, you know, I know we're busy. When I went into the ministry 33 years ago, I was uh, working for Levi Strauss in sales. And, and uh, you know, there are many times uh, <laughs> I was pastoring a church full time and doing the sales job full time. And there were many times I would drive to Cincinnati three hours one way and drive three hours back and work with a buyer in between an apartment store and, and come back and put on my uh, preacher hat and, I, you know, and, and walk in there and teach a Bible study. I did have three hours in the car each way, though, just to listen to worship music. So I didn't have a cell phone. Hallelujah. But God will honor the time that you do spend with him. I'm not making excuses. Well, I can only give God five minutes a day. Look, let me tell you something. I can give God as much time as I want to give him. Okay? My, it's, it's a question of my priorities. You know, it's November 1st. Now, today's the 3rd. Our house is decorated for Christmas. The Hallmark movies are playing. Oh, Jesus. But we could forsake a Hallmark movie and spend time with the presence of the Lord. Now, I happen to tell you that my wife does more of the latter than the former. Okay. But that, see, it's, it's a matter of priorities. I know the Panthers are playing. Are they playing this afternoon or they have a bye week? Okay, they're playing. You know, I know it's important to watch the football, but you know what? How important is it to have a relationship with Jesus? See, God knows where you are. He knows you have a job. He knows you have families. Okay, but without time in his presence, you're never going to reach the full potential that God has intended you to have in order to manifest the kingdom of God in your life, in your family, and in those around you, and in this community. And, and, and I know... The mandate that God gave us is to facilitate the presence of God and so that you would have an awareness of that, so that you would... We were called here. Do you know what we do here on Sundays? We host the presence of the Lord. We invite him to come in. From the very beginning, I bind principalities and powers, every demonic thing that would hold back or interfere with your presence today. Holy Spirit, release your, 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 just your presence in this place, that people be saturated, that healing would flow. Is there someone in here that's been dealing with diverticulitis? I keep hearing that word. Somebody's been dealing with that. The Lord says he's healing it. And there was also, I uh, heard of heart problems. If you're having heart problems... God is touching that and healing that. Maybe it's you online. I don't know. We welcome those of you on Facebook and YouTube. So the question I want to ask is, what are we reflecting to the world? Are our shadows that we cast the light of Christ into a dark world? Or are they merely images that look like us except a little fuzzier? What does the shadow look like that you're casting to your children? Do they see Christ in how you treat them? I know some of them deserve to be beaten within an inch of their lives. You know, that's not very politically correct in this world. But, but how, how, are, how do they see you? With patience and kindness and gentleness and love? How, 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 what does our shadow look like to our spouses? Are we angry and frustrated and impatient? Is it a hypocritical shadow? One that looks good for a little while on Sunday morning and looks something different Sunday afternoon? See, people are not as an... I, I, I was fortunate, blessed to be able to do some premarital counseling this last week and... and I, I teach about communication in there. Did you know that only 7% of your communication takes place in the form of words? 
your words only amount to 7% of your communication. 38% is in the attitude and the tone that you use with those words. And get this, 55% is if your communication takes place in your body language. So I can tell you, I love you. And that isn't going very far. The words were fine, weren't they? The word was right. I love you. Okay. But how's it going to be received? Not too well. So people are more impacted by what we do and how we act than what we say. I love Jesus. Yeah. What's the shape of the shadows you're casting in your marriage at, at work, at school? as you're driving down the road or standing in the line at, at the store while the woman goes, eh, eh, eh. And then the, then the lady's check bounces and you, know, and you spend 15 minutes behind. How do people see you standing in the line? What message are you preaching to your children in the car? What message, what, what, what shadow are you casting in the hallways of your school? At work? Are you, are, you, are you casting a shadow of joy and hope and excitement and happiness and patience and, and peace? Or are you frustrated and chaotic and just in, in stressed out? Sorry. It's no wonder no one's being healed by our shadows because often they're just trying to run away from us. They won't even get in your shadow long enough for you to be healed, to heal them. I want my shadow, I want my shadow to be a shadow of his glory walking behind me. I want to be leaving behind me a trail of healing and healing words, and the peace, and the joy of the Lord. If you would do me a favor, put up Acts 5.15 again. They would lay the people in the streets, and his shadow would heal them. What did they see in that shadow? What do they see in that shadow? I, I, I know I have a shadow ministry, but I, I, I want one like that. But you see, you can't have that until we talked last week about the fruit of the Spirit. Unless people are seeing the fruit of the Spirit exhibited in your life and that, in that part of your shadow, you're not going to have that. God can't trust you with it. Without the Holy Spirit, working in power from within. We cannot be conformed to the image of Christ. And that means all across the board. It means in every facet, in every area of your life. But you can only do that when you spent time with him, when you've been intimate with him. Because when we're intimate with him, then we have the power to kick in every temptation the devil tries to throw at us. We, we have the power to overcome the, overcome the storms of life. We have the power to say, you know what, I am full of hope, even in the most hopeless situation. We have the power to say, you know what, I'm happy, even though I should be sad because of what the world says and what, what happened to me. But you know what, God is with me. Who can stand against me? Man, that's a, that's a different concept, isn't it? When we walk through the land, we are walking on holy ground because we're filled with the Spirit of God and he is in us. So everywhere we feet, our feet go is holy ground. We take Jesus with us. We don't just wait for him to show up here on Sunday morning. When people see us, do they see Christ in us? The only way your families are going to be restored, the only way for our community to be changed for the better is to be able for them to see Christ in us. For able to see that the shadows we're trailing behind us are giant shadows of the image of Jesus Christ. I implore you. I, 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 I push you to the utmost. I want to manifest. I, I want miracles and signs and wonders. But I want people of God filled with the Spirit of God walking in the fruit of the Spirit and exhibiting the love, exhibiting the joy, exhibiting the hope, exhibiting the patience, exhibiting the kindness and mercy and love that, that God called us to do. And when we do that, I can guarantee you miracles will flow out of that relationship. We, we get it from relationship. And as we have that relationship, the power of God will flow out of God's people. 
I have no doubt that the more time you spend with Jesus, the next time you pray, you'll see a greater manifestation of the answer to that prayer. I don't know how to say it any stronger. We cast shadows. What shadow are you casting? Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Could I, I, the worship team can stay where they are. I don't want you up here right now. Okay. Who will say with me that I want to be conformed to the image of Christ? Who will say with me that I have the fruit of the Spirit living inside of me? I'm going to manifest the Spirit of God. Who will say with me, to this world I say, dare to look at me because you will see Christ in me. Peter and John came to a lame man at the gate, beautiful, and they said, you know, we don't have any money, but what we got we're going to give you. And the first thing he said before that is, look at us. Do you dare to have the world look at you? You do if you have a relationship with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Is Jesus shining through you into the dark corners of this world? Father, while every head is bowed and every eye closed, if you're on watching us online, Facebook or YouTube, and your heart's not right with God, and you want to get right with God this morning. He cares about you. He loves you. He died for you. We heard about that at the communion table this morning. He, he won a victory because sin was reigning in your life. But with Jesus Christ, you can have victory. doesn't mean everything's going to be a bed of roses tomorrow. What it means is he'll give you the strength to overcome the storms that rage in your life. He'll give you hope where there was none. He'll give you joy and peace where there weren't any. any even any signs that it's possible. He will help you walk in victory and as an overcomer in this life. If that's you this morning and you'd like to get right with God, let's lift your hand to the Lord this morning and say, that's me. I, I want to put Jesus Christ in the first place in my life. If you've not done that or it's been a long time since you've done it and you need to do that today, lift your hand to the Lord. You who are watching online, if that's you, just say, Father, forgive me of my sins. I, come into my heart. I want to live for you. I want to, I want to love you. I want to know you. Anyone? So then the other thing I'm going to ask you to do this morning. I said our mandate when we came here was to bring the presence of the Lord. Well, I think we've made a place where he's, he's welcome. But my mandate's not really about a building. It's about you. One of the problems when pastors retire is they look at the legacy. What have I built? That's why a lot of guys build big buildings, things point back and say, I built that. It's much harder to look at people and say, I built that because I had nothing to do with the Holy Spirit does. But today I'm going to implore you, become more intimate with Jesus. Spend time in his presence and you will see the manifestations of the glory of God in your life. Would you pray this prayer after me? Jesus, forgive me if I've not spent enough time with you. I want you in first place in my life. Jesus, teach me. Help me. Show me your ways. Help me live for you. Help me be strong in you. Help me manifest your fruit of love, joy, and peace in this world. Jesus, I want to cast a shadow that looks like you. Help me, Jesus. Amen. Mm -hmm. If you just stay in your seats for a moment, I've got uh, something I'd like to say. We've been married 50 years almost. 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 I know everybody says it was like yesterday, but it really was. I mean, you were only three, and I was four. Right? So, um, I'm only 42 now. Oh, okay, we're 42. Yeah, I've been born again 42 years. That's when it started. Everybody says you shouldn't look, you know, anyway, <laughs> now I'm going there. Um, 18 years ago, we heard the call of God, as, as I said earlier here, 
And we responded by leaving the only other ministry we've been involved in, which is Harvest Time Assembly of God up in uh, the Cleveland area, which we began 13, you know, I'm sorry, uh, 33 years ago. So um, we knew it was the Lord that was directing us and leading us here. Um, our time here has been wonderful. We had a mandate, as I said, to host the presence of, of God in this church and to make the Spirit of Christ again welcome here at First Assembly. And to that end, as I said a moment ago, we've taught and we've encouraged, we've tried to model the lifestyle worthy of the Holy Spirit in front of you. Uh, I believe what we've, we've done what we were called to do. And um, the Holy Spirit has blessed us. You are a, you're, you're an expression of uh, just the, the, you know, the... the <laughs> The presence of God and, and, and the presence of God has, is in you and flowing out of you. We've grown way beyond what I dreamed possible in the things of the Spirit. I even dared to think that it might be that way. And we're growing and we have grown again once, you know, once again numerically and we're, we're, we're bursting at the seams again. So we believe that at this point in time it's appropriate for us to um, take another position and let another leader take the baton uh, of leadership and lead this body to, for, uh, to fulfill its full potential, everything that's possible in the Lord. Your deacon board and uh, trustees are aware of our plans, and uh, we've been uh, talking about them for a while. They're fully supportive, uh, and they want to encourage this body to uh, vote for Pastor Dave Snyder to become your lead pastor uh, when we have our annual business meeting in uh, last uh, Wednesday of February. Um, he will become, if you vote him in, the lead, new lead pastor of AFA Church for Assembly God Asheboro. However, just so you understand, Connie and I are not leaving, okay? We're, we plan to be here for the foreseeable future, but, and we don't, certainly don't feel finished with ministry at all. Um, we may be of a certain age, but we love you. Uh, we love the Lord and believe uh, with you that the best days of this church are still ahead of us, that the glory of the latter house shall even be greater. And um, uh, so we would like to help facilitate that. And um, to that end, so we'll still continue. I'll still be teaching my classes on Wednesdays and our master's commission uh, students and so forth. And from time to time, I'll be preaching, I'm sure, you know, when, when Dave wants me to and helping with other administrative uh, duties and chores here as he needs. So we'll be here for the transition and beyond. Um, and uh, as I said, we'll have our annual business meeting the last uh, Wednesday of February. Um, and that, so my last official act as a chairman of the board and the senior pastor of the church will be to chair that business meeting. And assuming that you vote Pastor Dave in, and I can't see, foresee any reason why you, you wouldn't, uh, he preaches better than I do. Um, but, you know, that was a cheap shot looking for some affirmation. That's what that was. So, um, so we, we heartily encourage you to do that. And uh, so he, at that point, March 1st, uh, he would leave the responsibilities of being the director of the Master's Commission program and take over the responsibility of leadership of, uh, of the uh, senior pastor. Uh, and Pastor Joelle will, will move up to become the director of the Master's Commission. Pastor Jacob, who is our youth pastor now, will become her assistant uh, with the Master's Commission. And, uh, and Pastor Connie and I will remain on staff. Uh, we want to say to you uh, what a joy it's been to pastor uh, the people of God who are hungry for the presence of God. Amen. Our hearts cry. Uh, honestly, my heart's cry is still, I want more, Lord. I'm going to finish well. I want, I'm hungry for more of the Lord, more of his spirit, more of his anointing, more of his presence, more of his power, more of his love. And, and, and I'll do everything we can. I, we will do everything we can to help facilitate heaven on earth. Uh, as I said, we're, we'll be leaving next Sunday after the missions convention to go to Israel for two weeks for celebrate our 50th wedding anniversary. Um, if you have any questions, concerns, or suggestions, um, I would like all the deacons to stand up. Okay, so just so you are familiar with them. So there's five of them: uh, Rick Brooks, Greg Small, Butch Button. Ray Von McLeod and Sandy Payne, and our trustees, if you would stand up if you're in here. Some of them are out in the hallway. Okay, there's Chris McLeod, or Andy 
Blanton and Chris McLeod and Brad Lanier and, and uh, Adele Cranford. Uh, if you have any questions, you can certainly talk to any of them, or you can talk to me or her. And uh, we love you. We believe that this will advance this church to the next level. I believe God has some exciting things in store for this body, and we know it, and we know there's going to be some changes. That's okay. Methods can change, but the message won't, you know, and that's, that's the important thing. We know the DNA, <laughs> literally, um, is in Pastor Dave, but we know he values the same things we do. He, he's hungry for the presence of the Lord, for the Spirit of God. And so uh, we just want to say thank you from the bottom of our hearts for allowing us to be the, the lead pastors here for the last 18 and a half years. And, uh, uh, you know, we're excited about uh, what God's got in store for the body. Is there anything you'd like to say as he close? Could you? As long as you don't say Ichabod, it'd be good. So, Oh, I wasn't supposed to say that. So there you go. No, you know what I'd probably do. I'd probably say exactly what the Lord already said earlier. I'm more concerned about what's the spirit of the Lord saying. Don't miss it. When he said the increase, think about the day that we're living in. Belinda, I think it was the word of the Lord you gave about the time is short. And think of the day, if that's the case, and the kingdom of God is forcefully advancing, and we're supposed to lay hold on that, if the increase of his, that's the increase of his government. And I just really believe we're to grab hold because God's about to do something. Amen. So do it. Amen. Would you stand to your feet with me this morning? Just lift your hands to the Lord. I want to bless you. You know, there's a high priestly blessing that the uh, priests would do. But, but when, I, when I do this, I do this as the, as the priest of the house. I believe it means something. These aren't just words. Deuteronomy says in chapter 28 that you'll be the head and not the tail. You'll be blessed going in and coming out. You'll be blessed at all you put your hand to do. You're walking in the divine favor of God. You are heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ to every promise he has made. Your marriages are blessed. Your children are blessed. Your homes are blessed. Your finances are blessed. Why? Because you're children of God. You've got the favor of God in your life. You're walking in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Nothing is impossible for you. All things are possible to them who believe, and you're believers in Jesus Christ. That has made you part of the greatest body that could ever exist, the body of Christ. You have all you need. Your needs are met through his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. You are blessed beyond measure and highly favored. In the name of Jesus, I bless you. I love you. Thank you for allowing us to be here. We love you. God bless you. Have a great week.